Um, I'm excited about this new series this morning. We did nine weeks, I believe, on the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And we put a exclamation point in between those two, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And what we're about to begin on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there are nine fruit and there are nine gifts. And in the middle of it, we preached Resurrection Sunday, the day the revolution began. Those three days that are the hinge point of history, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, are the bookends on which all of Christianity, the truth of a God who loves us, the truth who, of a God who sent His Son to this planet to become one of us, to die, to pay the price for our sins, to show us the love of God in His heart, that a God who loves us so much that He Himself would come as the Savior of the world. All of that hangs on these three days that we celebrated just a couple of weeks ago. Fifty days after the resurrection, we have the celebration of another feast, the Feast of Pentecost, which is the Feast of First Fruits. Passover is the celebration of God's deliverance of the children of Israel from Egypt. They were delivered by the blood of the Lamb applied over the doorposts of their homes. They were still in Egypt. Pharaoh, a type of Satan, Egypt, a type of the world. They were in slavery in the same way we were in slavery to sin, to Satan and the world. God delivered us by the application of the blood of Jesus Christ to the doorposts of our hearts. And so what, we, what they saw literally as a historical occurrence and celebrated every year in the spring of the year, by the way, the crucifixion, resurrection is always tied to Passover because Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of that feast they celebrate. He became the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world, John 1.29. And so we see those three days. He's resurrected. Fifty days later, Pentecost, which was celebrated 50 days after the first original Passover, God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt through the blood, the water, and the Spirit. They were delivered by the blood of the Lamb over their doorposts. The death angel passed by them, took the firstborn of the sons of Egypt. All those who did not have the Lamb on their, their doorposts died that night in Passover. And so it was a great celebration of deliverance. God brought them out. He brought them to the Red Sea. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, they were baptized into Moses in the sea and in the cloud. So we see water baptism and we see spirit baptism because they went through the Red Sea. It's a picture of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus and coming out as a new creation. And then they walked as the cloud, the cloud of, uh, of fire by night, the pillar of cloud by day. They breathed in that picture of the Holy Spirit, which was an external GPS system. Uh, first GPS system that air conditioned by day and heated and kept them warm by night because that whole southeastern section of the Mediterranean basin as you move into what's called the Middle East is a lot of wilderness, desert, sandy areas. And because of the heat of the sun on the sand, it, it, it gains a lot of heat during the day and maybe in excess of 100 degrees, and then at night as the sun goes down because of heat radiation out of the sands of the wilderness desert areas, then it would become very cold and even drop below freezing. And so as the children of Israel are delivered out of Egypt by the blood while they're still there, and they come through the water, and then they breathe in the cloud, the Spirit, that cloud led them by day. Every time it would stop, they would set up their camp. 
The cloud would hover over them. When the cloud would begin to move, they would sound the trumpets and the children of Israel would pick up camp and move as the cloud moved. And they would move where the cloud took them. It was an external Holy Spirit of God system that led them, that guided them. Kind of a GPS, okay? Now, for us, how this is fulfilled in our lives is that the GPS system is no longer external, but it's moved inside because the Holy Spirit now lives inside of us. And he, le he leads us not necessarily by spectacular, dramatic, outward signs, but he will lead us by the still, small voice. We have to learn how to be quiet and listen, especially in the din, D-I-N, the cacophony. It's like, have you ever been in your backyard and... A thousand geese fly overhead, big, huge, two or three flocks of geese, just, man, you rah, 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 honking and all they do. That's like culture that's screaming at us, that cacophony of all of those sounds. But to hear the still, small voice of the Spirit of God, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14 that there are multitudes of voices and none of them without significance. But he says there's one voice we need to learn to hear, and that's the voice of the Spirit of God. Somebody say amen. And so this morning, as we move into the lessons that we're going to do over the next seven weeks on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're not going to actually take one gift each week the way we did with the fruit because it's logical to teach them in sections of threes that go together. And that'll make sense in a few weeks. I'm not going to jump ahead and, and take up time in the message to, to, to go into that. But thanks to Heather, we've got a great new graphic with this, and it looks just like the one you had with higher love, except we've got a lightning bolt going through the heart for higher power, because it shows the congruence of the two. The love of God, which has transformed us, and the power of God now that has enabled us for a purpose that I want to bring this whole message down to a bottom line at the close this morning to show you why. The God of love has filled our hearts and transformed us. The power of God has come into us, empowered us, enabled us so that we can do something. And so today, that's my direction that I'm heading. And we just ask the Holy Spirit, our GPS system, to help us today as we head in that direction. I would like for, if you would please, one more time. I know you've sat and you've got, gotten comfortable. But I'd like you to stand with me. We want to read one verse of Scripture. Stand with me, please. The title of the message this morning is called, The Greater One is in You. Say it with me. The Greater One is in You. Let's make it personal. Say, the greater one is in me. Say it. The greater one is in me. Okay, now let's get it. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4b. And I'll point out b when we get to it, the second section. When you see a biblical notation and a, and a letter, lowercase, behind it, there's an emphasis on that half of the verse. This chapter opens up and it says, Beloved, try all the spirits and see whether they be of God. Try every spirit. And he says, because there are those who went out from us who declare that Jesus Christ has not come in the flesh. There was a controversy in the early New Testament church in the first century that John the Beloved, John the Disciple, John the Revelator is writing to. Okay, Now, there are two Johns you need to know about. John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. John the Disciple, called John the Beloved, is the author of the book of the Gospel of John the epistles of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the book of Revelation. So he's called John the Disciple, John the Beloved, John the Revelator, separate, one guy. John the Baptist is somebody entirely different. Now, most of you are probably going, well, yeah, we knew that. Don't insult our intelligence. Yeah, but there are people who don't know that, okay? So let's just be patient, all right? So he's saying here, 
Look at the second line. You've won a victory over those people. I've got to give you a little bit of context. The people he's talking about are the folks that are teaching this controversy that Jesus didn't really come in the flesh, but he was just a spirit. There's a whole, uh, there's a whole heresy that's moving through the first century New Testament church called Gnosticism, which is a knowledge cult. And they're basically saying Jesus was just a specter, a ghost. He just sort of had the appearance of a man, but he wasn't really in flesh. And so John is slamming that in the head. And he was saying, he that declares that Jesus Christ is Lord and has come in the flesh, then he is of God. Those people who did that, they went out from us and they were not of us, but they had the spirit of, the, of Antichrist is what he just said. And so now let's read together. Here we go. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people, the ones I just told you about, because, stop right there. This is the B part. This is what we're going to really hang out today. Say it with me. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Now start it because and do it again. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. One more time like you mean it. Here we go. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Everybody say greater than. That's pretty obvious. I don't have to take time to define that. Look at the two spirits. Do you see a difference between the two? What's the difference? All right. In your Bible, this is how the writers gave us the ability, since we can't read Greek and Hebrew, um, some Chaldean in the Old Testament, some Aramaic along with the Greek in the New Testament, because we can't read all of that. This is how they distinguished from the original languages when the text was talking about the Holy Spirit, capital S, and the spirit of an individual person, the spirit of a nation, the spirit of a culture, all those come with a little s. So when you read your Bibles and you see capital S, it is talking about who? The Holy Spirit. When you see a little s, then that's what we're talking about, something other than the Holy Spirit of God. Okay. So bow your hearts with me, please, this morning. Father, we thank you for this time together. I ask you, Spirit of the living God, that you move in our hearts, that you hover over people in this room, over the darkness and confusion and brokenness of our lives. Lord, that you prepare them to receive the spoken creative word of the gospel. In the same way that in Genesis 1, when the Spirit of God hovered over the chaos and then the word of God came and God said, let there be light, and light was. Thank you today that when the gospel is proclaimed, not by any ability of mine or any power that is in me, other than the Holy Spirit, the greater one who is in me, do what only you can do, Spirit of God. Let light come. Let it disperse darkness. Let wholeness come and disperse disease. Let healing come. Relationships be restored and marriages be renewed. Lord, let hope, a Father, find a, a fresh place in a heart that is hurting. We ask you today that you would come and teach us, that you would prepare our hearts, that you would be understanding in us. Lord, I acknowledge that apart from you, I can't do anything. But God, I'm grateful that I'm not apart from you, that I, I have abiding on the inside of me the greater one. Let the greater one speak today. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said, Amen. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. One thing that I want to bring to you, repeated on purpose, 
in order to stir up your pure minds. That's the mind of Christ that's on the inside of every one of you. Paul said it in Philippians 2 verse 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And so as a believer, you have inside you the mind of Christ. Whether or not you access that or allow it to become prevalent, to transform and renew your thinking through the Word of God is a choice that you have to make. So today I'm speaking, I'm stirring up, it's what Peter said, I want to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Somebody goes, yeah, yeah, my mind's not pure. Well, yeah, I'm talking about a mind that's alternate from yours, separate from yours, that you want to let influence yours, okay? One thing I want to bring to you today, more than a force, the Holy Spirit is the personal manifest presence of God, co-creative, co-equal, and co-eternal. Those words are from the Nicene Creed. He is co-creative. He was involved in the first creation in Genesis. He is co-creative now. When God does a work of new creation in your life, it is the work of the Holy Spirit that does that, applying the word and will of God to your heart. So he is co-creative, co-equal, and co-eternal with the Father and the Son. He actively, everybody say actively, he actively applies the word and the will of God to the life of the believer. So I'm going to visit that at least three times during the message this morning and try to unpack that, okay? The Higher Love series was about the fruit of the Spirit. The, the Higher Power series is about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fact that we need both because the fruit shows God's character and the power shows God's, the gifts show God's charisma, His power, okay? And so we need to be able to actively grow the fruit and manifest the gifts, not in some kind of strange, oddity, weird kind of way. I grew up a Pentecostal. I am truly grateful for my heritage. I uh, am not ashamed in any kind of way, although there are a lot of things that were practiced in my past that I don't necessarily subscribe to today because I see things from a different perspective in the Word. I'm not judgmental toward those of my past who still fellowship in that particular methodology or way of doing things. Uh, but I do want to do something. I want to grow a culture at victory. I want to lead a people to be open to everything that God has for them. I want you to be open to saying, God, there are things here that I don't understand, but I believe it's a safe place. I hear a solid dependence upon the Word of God, the foundation stone of the Christian life, which is the Word of God, which is our our, our source for our rule of faith and practice. But I don't just want to build a great majestic fireplace that doesn't have any fire in it. I want, to, I want to see it roaring with a fire that can cook the food to feed the people of God, that can warm the house to warm the people of God. Uh, it's, it's absurd to have a fireplace and not have fire in it. And so I want to see the fire moving, but I don't want the other extreme. I don't want a great big fireplace, no fire in it, but nor do I want the other extreme, which was sometimes the way my life experience was in Pentecost, uh, in Pentecostal churches, is it was almost like a wildfire and it just burned the whole forest down. And, 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 and I'm not trying to be funny. It is funny because, I mean, I've seen everything. And if I start on that tangent, if I chase that rabbit down that trail, I'll take up too much message time. I don't want to do that. I've seen, you know, guys slap women and their wigs go flying and, and I was on the organ pumping it all up, you know. I mean, I grew up at 14. I was traveling the whole U.S. playing behind some evangelists and just seeing stuff going... I don't know if that's the Holy Ghost or not. You know what I'm talking about? 
And at the same time, I don't want to be so uptight that I make everybody else afraid to trust in this one called the Holy Spirit. Because in so many churches, they are almost scared to say Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, a lot of the great old hymns were written with the first verse about the Father, the second about the Son, the work of the Son, the third one about the Holy Spirit, and then the fourth one was about what we're challenged as the church to go out into the world and do. And if you'll think about it, you grew up in a, some of you grew up in churches that would always sing the first, second, and fourth verses, and you wouldn't sing the third verse because they were scared somebody would cut loose and get the Holy Ghost in their church, and they'd have some wildfire that somebody was going to have to put out. I bet a couple of you never heard that before, have you? I would rather be. I would rather have to deal with just a little bit of wildfire, than to than to be you know in a place where I feel like I've got to raise the dead every Sunday morning. Can can, can I have a little amen in the room? And, and so you know I, I I'm all about okay let's but let's let's trust. I, I grew up. I remember hearing one of the preachers say God's phone number is Jeremiah thirty three three. Call unto me and answer, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. <laughs> you know every sentence you got to put a ha on the end of it. <laughs> I'm not making fun. Once in a while I kind of feel like you know. I, I have to, I go fellowship once in a while because I grew up. That's that's like home cooking. Now I can, I eat organic now, and I, I I go buy my fruit at Whole Foods, and and and. But once in a while, I need some grease. I, I want some home cooking. <laughs> I called my mother-in-law recently because I had a big bag of peas in the freezer, and I said, "Dodgy, I don't want these to taste organic. I want them to taste like you cook them." She said, "Okay, get you some salt pork, cut it up." Fry it in the pan, and she told me all about it, you know. And then put, if you don't have that, put, put about two tablespoons of bacon grease. I said, are you serious? She said, you want it to taste good, don't you? <laughs> How many of you know sometimes you want some home cooking? And so I was, I was sitting last night, and I, somebody, somebody was playing the, Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. And man, I just got up, and I got on my piano at home, and I had myself a little bit of black church, and I was the only black man in the house. Sometimes you want some home cooking. But you know, sometimes, you know, if, 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 if you get all that all the time, it can kind of just, I don't know, it just like clog up your arteries, you know. Or, and, uh, and so I, and I'm not throwing off on anybody. I just want to hear, I want you to see my experience and I want you to be open to whatever God has for you in this whole thing with a relationship called the Holy Spirit. Because what you don't realize is that you have the creative person. Notice I didn't say force. Because this is not some Star Wars, may the force be with you kind of thing. This is a person. This is God the Holy Spirit has come and taken up residence down on the inside of your heart as a born again believer. And when you really wake up to who you are in Christ and your identity now, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about you because even if the host of armies gather up against you, even if 10,000, David said, gather against me on my side. He says, the Lord will awaken me and I will arise and defeat the enemy because he knows that with God, he is a majority. Hallelujah. I know that because the greater one is on the inside of me. I, I, the, the, greater, the one who is greater than the one who is trying to get in me from the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than the one who is trying to get in me from the world. 
And so I have some resources. I have some power. I have some strength. I have one of the names of the Holy Spirit is the spirit of might, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of the counsel, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of the Father. All of these are capital S's throughout the text of 66 books of your Bible. We talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. It's just the most amazing thing that at times has frightened people because He does things when you call on Him and trust. When you call on Him in simple faith, when you, when you do what Proverbs 3, 5 says, and trust in the Lord with your whole heart and don't lean to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, the Bible says He will direct your paths. Another translation says He will make your paths straight. Everybody say simple trust. Call unto me and I, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So what that you've never seen it done that way before? God is always ready for an open heart and a hungry heart that's willing to let Him do a new thing in your life. Come on, some of you are sitting here and your lives are transformed, delivered and set free from all kinds of brokenness, drug addiction in this room that God has set free, true deliverance. God's done a new thing in your life and you let Him show up and do it and praise God that you did because He did something you'd never seen before, something you knew not anything about. More than a force, the Holy Spirit is the personal manifest presence of God, co-creative, co-equal, co-eternal with the Father and the Son. He actively applies the Word and the will of God to the life of the believer. I am just trying to, through this series, ignite some faith in you as I preach about the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, until you heard about Jesus and that His, His perfect life and His death atoning sacrifice and His resurrection that conquered death and sin and the grave, until you heard about that, faith didn't arise in your hearts to trust that God can save you and give you the new birth that you could be born into the kingdom of God and now be called a son or a daughter of the Most High. But when you heard it preached, faith arose. Until somebody preaches that God heals, one of his names is Jehovah Rophe, the Lord who heals your diseases. Until you have somebody with the God-guided guts to stand up and go, if you'll put your faith in a God who heals and a God who loves you and a God who wants to bring wholeness into your life, until you hear that word, that good news of the gospel that touches that aspect of your life as well, you won't have faith to release into the promises of God to receive the healing that Jesus died for you to have because he was wounded not just for your transgression, he was bruised not only for your iniquities, chastised not just for your peace, but the Bible says by His stripes we are what? Everybody say healed. Come on. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Sin fills the world. Brokenness, disease, everything that is the depravity of man. I was talking to an individual before the service because someone is struggling just with the situation in their family. And I said, look, I'm right there with you. I'm dealing with that in my own house. Why, God? Why? You know, I, the, I know one of my children says, I know God didn't do this, but why did God allow it? And you know, I, I'm in a much, much, much better place than I was 18 months ago. Better even 12, better than six, even three months ago. It's just, just God is just really helping me in a miraculous kind of way. But because of that, I am not so triumphalistic that I don't still feel the pain of somebody else that's right in that moment where they're struggling. God, if you're good, why is this happening in my life? God, God, if you're good, why did you let this happen? 
And, and, I, and I want you to see this morning that, that, that there are problems, there's brokenness, there's sin, there's depravity on the whole planet. But Jesus is the answer and He comes to apply it to your heart and your life through the work of this comforter that He calls the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. All right. Who is the Holy Spirit? Point number one. John 14. Jesus, basically the last week of his life, gives a, an intensive, a Holy Spirit seminar. The Gospel of John has 22 chapters in it. And Revelation has 22. Just, well, John has 21, I think. I want you to realize that half of that is all taking place in the last week of Jesus' life. From 13 through the end of the chapter. From chapter 13 where he gathers them in the upper room and he washes their feet and he opens up and teaches them about someone else who's coming. A kind of divine replacement. It's expedient for you that I go away and they go, what do you mean, where are you going? Can we go with you? And, and, and he says, no, 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 I'm going to a place and, and I can't tell you now but I'll tell you all about it later but it's good that I go away because I'm going to send you another comforter which implies that Jesus himself had come as the comfort of the Father. He says, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I won't leave you alone. I will never forsake you, but I'm going to send you another comforter who's going to come and do all over the world what I'm limited to in this physical body in one geographical location. And so Jesus talks to them about the Holy Spirit in a seminar there in the last few hours, the last week of his life. He says in John 14, verse 15 through 17, If you love me, obey my commandments. Verse 16, and notice, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate. King James says, Comforter, we're reading the New Living Translation. We'll talk about what an advocate is in just a moment. But notice the three separate personalities. I, Jesus, is praying. I'm asking the Father, Heavenly Father, and He will give you another advocate. Okay, who will never leave you. Everybody say, never leave you. Verse 17, He is the Holy Spirit who what? Say it. Leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him, but you know Him because He lives with you now. And look what He says. And later will what? Will be in you. Jesus is looking forward to looking past the three critical days, the hinge point of history, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, 50 days past that into Pentecost when Peter stands up after 120 have been in the upper room for 10 days praying. Jesus was raised from the dead and for 40 days he appeared among them. The scripture says teaching on numerous infallible proofs concerning the kingdom of God. All of this appears right in your text of Acts chapter 1. And then they saw him, they were standing there and saw him when he ascended, his ascension into heaven, sat down at the right hand of the majesty of the Father on high. And Jesus had given them instructions. He said, tarry in Jerusalem, stay in the city until you have been endued with power from on high. Endued is an old English word, which means to put on garments. I got up this morning and I took a shower and I know everybody in the room is glad that I got endued before I came to church. Look at your name and say, put your clothes on. Endued, tarry in the city until you've put on garments of power, until you have been prepared, you have been empowered to do something. And at the conclusion of the message this morning, you're going to see Jesus say that at one more time. 
It's kind of the commission, the great commission that appears at the end of every one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then it appears the fifth time in the opening chapter of the book of Acts before he ascends to heaven. This is what he says. He says, he lives with you now. This is his Holy Spirit seminar, the last week of his life in the upper room where they're going to partake of uh, communion together, break the bread, <coughs> share the wine. He lifts the cup and says, this is my blood shared through the blood of my New Testament. Breaks the bread, this is my body broken for you. And he initiates what we now know as the sacrament of communion. We gather together, we remember the Lord's death. Jesus did that as a last act with the disciples before he was crucified. He says, this Holy Spirit who lives with you now will also, will in the future, will live in you. Okay. So the word advocate, the word advocate, if you'll go ahead and put that up, that is the Greek word parakletos, which means called alongside to help. Okay. Uh, it's very close to the idea of a paralegal. A paralegal does all of the specific um, preparation with the documents for the lawyer to appear before the judge, to get everything notarized, to finalize your contracts, to, to end uh, an agreement, all of the things that we do before a judge. Uh, the paralegal takes care of that. And so this para one who comes, the word para means alongside, okay? For example, a parachurch, a parachurch ministry is a ministry that works alongside the church. It's outside of the church, but it comes alongside to help the church. So parakletos is the name or the title given to the Holy Spirit, and we, we get the word paraclete, which one is one who is called alongside to help. Everybody say, my helper, Okay. Now, I want you to get this because from the text, we clearly see one of literally hundreds of representations of what we theologically call the Trinity in the Bible. Okay, I, I want you to recognize that though I know there is a mystery to the Godhead that I don't fully understand, nobody really does, and if they tell you they do, they're lying. Okay, because I've got friends that are... That are oneness Pentecostals that are modalists that love Jesus that are saved that are going to heaven and I refuse to wag the, the pharisaical theological finger of judgment toward them and call them heretics because when it's the truth there's a truth to what they're saying God is one but yes God is three now he's not three gods he is one God in three persons okay this is a fundamental orthodox Ortho meaning right, doxa meaning thinking. So orthodoxy is right thinking based on the Word of God. This is an orthodox Christian teaching. Trinity is not a Bible word. It's a word that we have actually invented or coined because tri means three and unity means one. And so what we're saying in the Trinity is that there are one God in three persons. There is three in one. Okay, are you following me? So you see it all over the Scripture. When, when, when I quoted at the very front of the message this morning, Genesis chapter 1, God spoke and said light was. It said the Spirit was hovering over the, the darkness and the chaos. The Spirit of God. When you look at the Hebrew, it is ruach. And you've you, you got to get the phlegm involved in your throat when you say it, okay? Come on, everybody say ruach. Try it. Come on, ruach. The Greek word is pneuma. The Hebrew word is ruach, and when you see that in Genesis 1, it's ruach Elohim, the breath of the Almighty. So when we sang the song this morning, breathe, O breath of God, 
It's just another way of saying, Holy Spirit, empower us. Breathe on the deadness, O oh God. Give me hope in the face of my hopelessness. Let the wind of the Spirit, because Ruach and Numa are both translated wind, breath, or spirit. Okay? And so what I want you to see this morning is that we are talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, unfortunately, in some of our evangelical friends' churches, they're scared of this whole thing called the Holy Spirit, and it's almost become the Father, Son, and the Holy Bible. And it's just kind of an impersonal relationship. And I don't any way want to demean, because I am a student of the Word, and don't hear this the wrong way. I just, I'm saying this so that you will know that I truly live what I'm saying. I have read the Bible through every year, at least once each year since I was 18 years old. So I'm 57. So you're looking at over 40 times through. I, it's just part of my calling to keep the ax sharp and get in the Word. And I deliberately use a different translation every year just for the shock value. Because I can quote most of the King James. I mean, you talk about Psalm 23 and I can just rattle it off. And so you get to where after a while that you think you know everything that's already there. And that's a, that's a scary, arrogant position to be in because I believe we should always come every time for the first time to the Word with fresh eyes as if to say, with wonderment, with, with God, show me something amazing from your Word instead of going, oh, I've already squeezed all the juice out of that grape. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil that with me, I ride in that staff. You see that? And you start to get into rote and it becomes impersonal. And it loses freshness. So I, so I grab a new translation. So it jars me. And I go, oh man, that's good. Oh yeah. And it's like, it's like it keeps it fresh. It keeps it alive. Because I want to have a living relationship with the greater one who lives on the inside of me. Because he's always going to speak according to the word that I'm reading. He will illuminate it. He will, he will cause revelation to come up out of it and shine light on it where I've had some misunderstanding or confusion. Can I have an amen this morning? Matter of fact, he's called the Spirit of Truth. As we look to point number two this morning, what does the Holy Spirit do? John 16, 13. There it is right there. When the Spirit of Truth, say it, the Spirit of Truth, when the Spirit of Truth comes, He will what? guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Now, what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, let's go back and unpack the first point and some of the titles of what the Holy Spirit were given. We saw the word advocate. An advocate is a representative. An advocate is you get in trouble with the law and you've been charged with a crime. You've been indicted but you've not necessarily been found guilty. And thank God we live in a democracy with the guarantee of some constitutional rights, right to a speedy jury trial uh, by our peers, uh, with the assumption that we are innocent until proven guilty. Other countries, it's your guilty, baby, until you prove your innocence. But in America, we are innocent until proven guilty. And if you do not have the monetary resources to defend yourself before the judge in the presence of a jury, then our government guarantees that you will have a public defender or an advocate. Someone who will stand before the judge, will speak the legalese, will follow all the protocol, will respect the position of your honor, other countries referred to as your worship, which we see that whole concept of relating a judge to the position of God before us. And so the advocate will go before the judge and will represent us, will defend us in our innocence. 
This is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is before the Father, taking your case, pleading. Listen to what Romans 8 says, verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us. Everybody say helper. Helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Verse 27, And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit, capital S, what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit, capital S, pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. What did we say? The Holy Spirit actively applies the Word and the will of God to the life of every believer. I'm thankful that the Spirit of God is my advocate. He is before the Father. He is pleading my cause. He is praying for me. He is interceding for me. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, the Bible says that Jesus, after having ascended to the right hand of the majesty on high, He ever lives seated with beside the Father at His right hand. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Think about this. The Holy Spirit is praying for you. That's one-third of the Godhead. Jesus the Son lives to make intercession for you. That's two-thirds of the Godhead. How many of you know the Bible says if two of you agree? How many, how many of you know if two of you agree on anything, it shall be done for them? So get this. Heaven is already on your side praying for your blessing. What you have to do is get an agreement and say amen to what the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have already said yes to. Did you hear that? Amen by the Spirit, by the church. We say so. Amen is a, not a nice religious word that you end a prayer with. Amen means so be it. And so you're getting an agreement with it. You're saying what the Holy Spirit is praying for me according to God's will, what the Jesus, what God the Son is praying for me, interceding for me. Father, I stand in agreement with it and I say amen to it in Jesus' name. Guess what? God will move mountains. He'll move heaven and earth. I want you as a congregation, I want victory as a culture to be so open to what the Spirit of God has for us that we're not afraid that we just say, Father, whatever you have for me, I want it. I'm, I'm ready. Give it to me, lead me, guide me. If it's a sign, if it's a dream, if it's a vision, if it's an impression. You know, you know now let's, let me just say this. Be careful. Don't be looking for the spectacular because you can go looking for the sensational and you can miss the supernatural. Because sometimes the supernatural is the still quiet voice inside your heart. And you're looking for flashing lights and you're looking for something out there that's just jarring. And sometimes God moves in a really gentle kind of quiet way and sneaks in on you. <laughs> How many of you are thankful for that? And so this morning, I want you to see that He is our helper. He is another comforter. That implies that Jesus came to comfort us, and now when He goes away, He's sending one that will never leave us, because now He lives on the inside of us. He is a counselor. Sometimes counselors correct. Sometimes counselors adjust. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit who convicts me. The conviction of the Holy Spirit, I'll, I'll, I'll move into an area or something or another. And sometimes, guys, in the culture in which we live, everything is not black and white, ten big commandments. It's pretty clear what the big tens say. But a lot of the stuff in our culture, it's a gray area. And so you, I just, I'm, I'm always open. I'll go, okay, Lord, I'm heading into this way, and I'll take a couple of steps. And it's like the Holy Spirit will kind of go, no, that's not for you. Now, this is where you're going to head into if you keep going on that path. So the Spirit of God will convict me sometimes of things that aren't even a sin because I know that it will lead to steps beyond it that will lead me into sin. Are you, are you following me? 
Okay, I, I, I believe I'm not all caught up all the time about everything that I'm doing and what everybody else is thinking. I'm my own person that is determined that I'm going to please God. And, and, and that means sometimes other folks don't necessarily understand, but it's okay because I've got the greater one on the inside of me and so do you. Come on, help me this morning. Say amen. Now, the counselor convicts. Sometimes the counselor predicts. Because you remember, he, he just said this. He says, he will tell you about the future. Now, that's not just the future of the end of the world, the future of the church. It's your future because you are unique. You are a member in particular. L- let, me, let me give you a little story uh, as I try to wrap this up and head down to the, to the, the last point this morning. 25 years ago, we're standing in there in victory, in Kingdom Kids is what we called it at the time. It's Victory Kids now. And um, a prophet of God that I know is a prophet, known him since I was a young, young teenager, was visiting, and he was just coming through. It was the middle of the week. He didn't preach on Sunday, but he and his wife, Sherry, Stacy and Sherry Wood, visited, and we're standing in there in Kingdom Kids, and we join hands and pray. And he just began to prophesy over the ministry, the children's lives that would be touched, that we would see that would grow up here in the house of the Lord, that would be future leaders. And uh, we only had one child at the time, Drew, my son Drew. And Dawn had already picked out a girl's name and she wanted, she wanted a baby girl. And I don't want to be too crass this morning, but I just want to say this much. We weren't doing anything to prevent um, getting in a state of expectation and nothing was happening. And so we didn't understand why. She didn't, Dawn kind of wondered if she was going to be able to have any more. The first one was a just tremendously difficult pregnancy. She was gestationally diabetic and just some complications and labored for 16 hours and then had to have a C-section. And so all that stuff happened and, and we're just really going, okay, Lord, you know, we, we want some more children. And she already picked out the name Abigail Elizabeth. And uh, Stacy had just been praying. We were praying in the Holy Spirit and he prophesied over the children's ministry and the future and everything. And he says, Michael, I see a little girl bouncing on your knee. And I'm just standing there quiet. I've been praying. And he said, He said, she's going to be a great source of joy in your life. And I just quietly started a tear trickle down my cheek because he didn't know I'd already done the grammatical study on the name Abigail, which means source of joy. Did y'all get that? So I'm carrying this vision, this hope, this dream of a source of joy in my heart of a little girl. And the prophet comes to town and he says, Michael, he didn't know this. Nobody in our church knew it. Nobody knew it. It was a secret in my heart, a secret in Dawn's heart. And he said, I see a, gr- a little girl bouncing on your knee and she's going to be a great source of joy. And he said, she's going to grow up and she'll be a worship leader in the house of the Lord from a young age. He said, but I'm going to tell you this. He said, I see the Lord saying that not only is she going to be a worship leader, but her music is going to touch the nations. And I'm crying. And I just take it home and I told Dawn about it. And y'all, about 10 months later, we had a little baby girl that arrived into this world who got named Abigail Elizabeth. And she has been a great source of joy. And I don't know, she started singing on the platform when she was seven. She was Candy Cane Jane in Miss Sandra Papp's Christmas program. (laughs) And she liked it. And so she she was able to kind of have it. She had some good intonation and carried a tune. And uh, she recently told me when she did the film, the video, some of you have seen her, the live version of her new video of Evergreen. Um, 
she told me, she said, you know, they actually tuned everybody's voices except mine. I, she said, I said, baby, that's awesome. Because, I mean, she's got some real intonation. She can hear micro measurements of sharp or flat, you know. And she said, you know, Dad, it's all those violin lessons when I'd be sitting over there and I'd go a little bit sharp and you'd go, <laughs> She said, you know, it nearly made me neurotic as a seven-year-old. <laughs> But it, it, it taught me how to really hear the tone when she was learning to play violin. But this is what i got to tell you. I just learned this this last week. They had asked her to do interviews with major radio personalities in Australia and New Zealand and London and New York because her, her video and her music are, is trending top of the charts in all those nations. You can give the Lord a hand. Go ahead. It's okay. Now... Um, you know, some of you have heard that story, um, but for all the people that want to tell me that God doesn't speak through prophets anymore, I don't, it doesn't, that doesn't move me one bit because I know better. You know, I don't have to spend time trying to draw lines in the sand and getting all mad at somebody and going, no, you don't know what you're talking about. I can just, just graciously go, you know, brother, I'm going to tell you. Let me, get, let me tell you a little story about what the Lord's done in my life. That's one of literally scores of stories of how God has given a dream or a vision or spoken something to my heart and come through. And so what I want to say is sometimes the counselor convicts. He, he checks me in an area that I need to be corrected in. Sometimes the counselor predicts. He will tell me about the future. Give me a glimpse of it. Give me a picture. Sometimes... You know, it's probably a good thing that he doesn't tell us about everything. Because I'm going to tell you, I've gone through some things that I don't think I would have signed up for if I'd have known all that was going to happen. Is that too real? Any, any of you ever been through some things that you go, man, if I'd have known this was involved, I'd have thought twice. But you know, I'm so glad that I didn't know because I wouldn't go back and do it different. I would, I would make my choice be the Lord of my life. I'm grateful. Somebody said he'll pull you through the knothole, but it's, he'll pull you through backwards. If, if you can stand the pull, he'll pull you through. Last verse. Have you got anything out of this this morning? What does this mean to me? So this is, this is my always conclusion. So what? So we've talked about what is, who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? What does this mean to me? One verse. But you will receive power. Everybody say power. That's the Greek word dunamis. We get our English word dynamite from it. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Three things I want to give you very quickly. Number one, this one that Jesus said is with you and later will be in you. The day of Pentecost, which we recognize as the day, the birthday of the church. 120 are in the upper room fasting and praying for 10 days. Sound of a rushing mighty wind as the day of Pentecost had fully come. They go out into the streets. People from all the nations are gathered and they hear the miracle, the miracle not only of speaking in languages, but the miracle of hearing because they all heard the praises of God in their native tongues. And so dramatic thing happened. Peter stands up emboldened, the same one who didn't have the courage to acknowledge that he was a disciple by one of the little maids of Caesar's house or Pilate's house. He denied Jesus, even cursed Fifty days later after the resurrection, this guy is preaching like a man possessed by God and he stands up and prepares the way for a move of God so that in that moment a revival takes place and 3,000 souls are born again and come into the church of the living God that day. 
120 in the upper room. Peter goes out and preaches and 3,000. You continue to read the book of Acts. Within a matter of days, 5,000 more were born again into the church. And so the church is thriving and growing because the Holy Spirit is moving and working in a powerful way. This is what he's saying. Now that he's with you, he is in you at this point. And so what I want to emphasize is that when you came to Christ and got born again, this Holy Spirit became a resident This is the house of God right here. You, each of you individually. Collectively, we make up the temple of God. But the house of the Lord is is in your life. God lives in a very simple three-room house. Your spirit, soul, and body. The, The spirit of God inhabits you. As a matter of fact, in John 14, 26, it says, I and the Father and the Holy Spirit will come and take up our abode on the inside of you. You've got the whole Trinity living on the inside of you. One God, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, like the little boy who went in for surgery, he had some heart problems, and this is a true story. He, he asks his mom, he says, Mom, when they, when they cut open my heart to repair the valve, are they going to disturb Jesus? So a little six-year-old boy who'd asked the Lord to come into his heart. He'd always heard that his whole life at church, you know, ask Jesus to come into your heart. And so he's thinking about, you know, a long-haired, staff-bearing, sheep-carrying, enrobed Savior about this tall living in his heart. And that's not what we literally mean. We're talking about when we ask Jesus to come into our heart, it is by the, by the breath of the Almighty, by Ruach Elohim, by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. And literally, God the Father, God the Son, all come through the agency of the Holy Spirit as you invite Jesus to be the Savior and Lord of your life. So this morning, when I'm talking about God doing wonderful things in your life, signs and wonders and dreams and visions and miracles, I do believe in miracles. Thank God for miracles. That God defies the natural realm and natural order. And He kicks things into gear and speeds things up and slows things down. And He causes dramatic things to happen to bring blessing into our lives. I'm grateful for that. The resident, the one who lives on the inside of you, all I'm asking you to do is just begin to take a different perspective. You have access. You have available on the inside of you unlimited, infinite power of God on the inside of you. Remember what we started with? The greater one is in you. Now, the reason he's in there is so that we would be a witness. Now, that may involve... It may involve knocking on a door and passing a tract or talking about Jesus or sharing the gospel. But that's doing witnessing. And yes, that's part of it. But he's more about you being a witness. Being a witness means your life has been transformed and you become the testimony, the verification, the authentication to the fact that the Savior is risen and alive because He's come alive in your heart. So you become a living witness. That's what Jesus was saying to the disciples You're going to start where you are in Jerusalem in these little concentric circles. You start right here. You think big, think globally, but act locally. Think big, but start small. Start right where you are in Jerusalem, and then it'll spread to Judea, and then it'll spread to Samaria, and then it'll spread to the uttermost parts of the world, the end of the earth. Okay? Now, before this is over with, before I close my eyes and breathe my last breath and enter into glory, not just a church out there on College Boulevard on the little lane called Angel's Way, which I didn't have anything to do with them naming that. I think that's so awesome. Our our address is 897 Angel's Way at our new property. By the way, they poured the footings Friday. Foundation and all the stuff, plumbing, 
electrical all going in this week. So if you saw my Insta story on Instagram, I'm out there standing around looking and going, I'm standing in the lobby of our new church. There's nothing but a four-foot four pile of sand out there. But I, I'm going, hey, man, we're going to be praising God in here in just a little while. you got to see it. you got to open your eyes of faith and see it because the Holy Spirit is there to tell you about your future and help you to believe and dream big and see great things that God wants to bring into your life. And to get out of a place of hopelessness and to lift your hope. Oh, come on. I know about hopelessness. I know, I know, I know. I, I'm acquainted with it. I've laid down and slept with hopelessness. But I'm thank, uh, thankful that God woke me up out of my slumber and He made me alive and reminded me that I had hope in my heart. Hallelujah. All I'm asking you to do is in this moment as we close this service is the one who is already resident on the inside of you, put up the next one. Let him be the president of your life. Let him call the shots. Let him be the boss. The Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We sing that song here. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Literally in the Greek it says, where the Spirit is, Lord. What does that mean? I let the Spirit call the shots. It's not a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day externally out there, but the GPS system has moved inside. And I'm looking and I'm saying, Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me. You know, we, we live in an action-based culture. It's a, it's a just-do-it society. It's a Nike culture. Do it. Do something. Come on, get up, take some action. Sometimes it's not the right time. Sometimes you need to wait and let the Spirit of the Lord show you and prompt you and get you headed and pointed in the right direction before you take off just doing something mindlessly. But learn to listen and just stop and say, Spirit of God, you live inside me. Give me wisdom on how to deal with this decision. My, my, my boss, my child, my wife, my business, you're the spirit of wisdom, you're the spirit of knowledge, you're the spirit of might. Give me strength, oh God, to, to stand up to this injustice. Before you get your mouth in gear, get your mind and your heart congruent and in operation and say, Spirit, guide me. Be the fire by night, be the cloud by day. Lead me, convict me, give me dreams, give me visions. Help me trust you for great things. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Why? Because if it depended on your own understanding, it would blow your mind and it's going to anyway because God always thinks outside of our boxes. Look to him in faith. I want you to arise in faith to let the resident become the president. And finally, the last one, he says that we are to be empowered, dynamis, dynamite. You've got something that'll blow the mountain out of the way. Quit looking at your mountains, your obstacles, and saying, God, I've got a big mountain. You need to talk to the mountain and go, Mountain, you're about to leave this place because I've got a great big God. And you take the dynamis, the dynamite of the Holy Spirit and you blow your mountain into the sea. Come on, do you really believe it? You've got bumper stickers and you wear necklaces and you've got a little, little bracelet on that says with God all things are possible. But do you believe that when you face an impossible circumstance? Come on, where's your faith? Come on, get up faith. Come on, you're a hero. You're a champion. You're called of God. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're a king's kid. You are a prince in the kingdom. You're a princess. Listen to me, princess. You don't have to kiss a bunch of frogs to get your prince. You wait on the one God brings you. And I don't know where that came from. That isn't my, my, my message. 
better, you better wait until God sends you the right one. Some of you are looking, looking around like, who's he talking to? I have no idea who I'm talking to, but that, that one ran across and I said, I gotta hit, I, I'm going to grab that one there. Are you encouraged this morning? Come on, are you, are you ready to trust God for great things? Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God praise. Hallelujah. God, you are the greater one. And you're the greater one on the inside of us. Hallelujah. Mountains have to bow. Rivers have to open up. Come on. Death has to die. Enemies have to lay down their swords when they see the greater one inside of you. Lord, help us, lead us, guide us. Bow your hearts with me, pray. In Jesus' name.